welcome to the latest edition of Bread of Blue here on EvertonFC.com. And I'm absolutely delighted to be hooking up in Florida with Ian Bishop. Ian, the weather there looks a lot better than it is over here. Lovely, mate. Best time in the winter, you know. Just turned spring. Summer's too hot. So uh, maybe that's when I'll come home for a few weeks. I've been here 23 years now, mate. Um, on and off, you know, we've we, we've started venturing out off to Spain every now and again. Um, but we're going from the sunshine to the sunshine, so it doesn't really make any difference. <laughs> it just means I'm closer to fly over and get to the games. Absolutely. Do you still keep an eye on Everton's results, Ian? Of course I do, mate. It's, it's probably one aspect of my career that we, I don't talk so much about or people don't ask so much about, you know? But it was very pivotal because it was the beginning for me, you know? How old were you when you first started at Everton? I think I was about 14, maybe 15 when I signed schoolboy. <clears throat> it was coming down Tuesday and Thursday nights. I was supposed to go to Liverpool as well. And really, I got a better feel about, about coming to Belfield, you know? Mm. And, and it kicked off from there. And it was, it was daunting, scary, you know? Every day, when it, it's not till you, till you look back today and you think, it was terrifying at, at times, you know? The, the worry because it was all you'd ever dreamed of and this was the beginning and how far was it going to go, you know? Um, I was lucky, in a, in a sense. And, and in those days, of course, there was, no, there was no mental health mechanism for young players, was there? There was nobody to put you at ease. <clears throat> no, you just, you, you left your own devices, really. Um, I mean, maybe I'm a little bit wrong there because Graham Smith was a massive help to all of us. He was he was huge for the club back then, um, and and what a what a great coach and and a compliment for, for the the style of football that was Howard had brought in. You know, Colin the same mm. in the reserves. It was a it was a great grounding for me. You know, who came through alongside you, Ian? Who would we know from your your days as a 14, 15, 16? Well, I can actually, uh, you know, Stevie Jones, Ian McCowan, Ian Marshall. Uh, Stevie Bateman, Darren Hughes, uh, Jimmy Coyle, Mark Farrington, Johnny Morrissey, Dave Galloway. It, it's, you know, it's... Wow. It's, uh, I still see Dave Galloway today. He's still one of my best mates. Of that group, who did you who did you think was a cert to make it? I mean, a lot of people talk about Jimmy Coyle and people mention Mark Farrington as well, who scored the goals. Did you think those two would really push on and make it? Well, well one I didn't mention was Robbie Wakenshaw as well. Yeah who did make his debut the same day as me and scored against Man United. That's right. Um, I, felt, I felt Ian McCowett at the time, big, strong, powerful left-back, no nonsense. I thought he might have done more in the game than, than he actually did. Obviously, Marshy, Ian Marshall, miserable git that he was. <laughs> He's and a good friend, by the way. Um, he went on and had a great career. You know, I, I, I suppose Goyley, but he would have... I think he was our best player at the time, in fact. Mm. So, you so know, players, when they get released, bounce back and, and, and go on to have a good career or they, they enjoy themselves lower league and non-league and some of them just fall out of love with football, Ian, yeah. don't they? It's a fine line, mate, you know? Mm. I, I, don't, I don't believe I ever got to the point where I ever felt I would stop playing football. I thought I'd beat Stanley Matthews' record. <laughs> no, no, mate. <laughs> what do you recall of your debut against Manchester United at Goodison? Oh, fear. 
looking at their midfield, Muir and Moses, Robson, Wilkins, sitting on the bench is probably worse than starting. You know, <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm a realist, so I do understand that <clears throat> there was an FA Cup final a couple of weeks later, and people were getting rested. Mm. Maybe coming on in the graveyard shift, which everyone used to call it, wide left midfield with no pace, wasn't the best for me. But you know, thankful and grateful to Howard um, for giving me the opportunity, and and you know, coming through the ranks, especially being a local lad, and coming on at Goodison, although it sort of went over in a flash, 20 minutes, 20, 22 minutes or whatever it was, I don't remember doing much, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, but, but we didn't lose the game, so it was a great atmosphere and I remember warming up and, and the fans like really getting behind me. And, and even to say, every time I came back to the club playing, I always got a good reception, you know, yeah. which is it's important for me. When you... The following day or the following week or whatever, when you'd played for Everton against Manchester United, and as you say, we did have an FA Cup final on the horizon. But did you ever did that ever cross your mind that it might be your only appearance, or did you did you think you would get other opportunities along the way? No, I I, I sort of had a gauge in myself. Look, when you when you look at Trevor Stephen, Bryce, Reedy, Sheets, and and in the background, Kev Rich, or you know you know the likes, some quality. It was probably the best team in Europe at the time. And, yeah. you know, I'd, Howard had given me my second year as a young pro. He gave me the contract again. So he obviously rated me or thought there was a possibility of me breaking through. And it was sort of three months into the new season, I don't know, maybe October time, that he pulled me in and said, look, Carlisle have come in. And, you know, he didn't get rid of me. Let's, let's, I'm going to put that straight. Yeah. He said, look, you've got nine months left on your contract. Who's to know whether when that's up, you'll get another one? You know, who's to know what happens in nine months? I think this will be a good opportunity for you to go and play second division football at the time. And I just figured that, in, in essence, looking at that team, it would have been tough for me to break in. It mm. would have taken an injury or something. Or, you know, I, I think I was maybe six months away from judging by what I did at Carlisle in a tough league. You know, at 19 years old, I was maybe six months away from maybe getting an opportunity in the squad. You know, but they went on to great things. They won the league a couple of times, you know, the company's cup. And and it would have been really difficult. Not that I'm shaked away from his challenge, but in two years, I'd come back from Carlisle with maybe 60-odd games under my belt. And my mates were still in the reserves. So, yeah. so was it the right thing? Um, I found out two years later when I was in the fourth division, two consecutive relegations, you know, which was tough to take. How tough a, how tough a, 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 a learning curve was it for a young for a young teenager like yourself to go and play for Carlisle United against some rough and tough opposition teams? How, how, how challenging was that for you? It, it was it was uh, it was my learning curve, wasn't it? It was my it was my study, to be honest with you. Mm. Without me plotting it, you know. A youngster at Everton with the best upbringing you could get with Graham and Colin, and and you know being given the fundamentals and a foundation like like they gave me, to then go and you know even with the two relegations, like I say, the biggest thing in my career is I can go back to any club, and there's no hostility whatsoever, wherever it was, and to me that's everything. So even with the two relegations, I still get lovely tweets off Carlisle fans. Don't forget us, you know, we love to hear. 
And, and, and in all honesty, they understood why my contract ran down and I ended up chancing my arm back in the second division with Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel the way it worked out. I got the correct, I, I took the correct path without picking it myself. If you know, you have to learn quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, don't you? Well, well. For one, I, I didn't weigh much. I think it was nine stone or something when I was eighteen, you know, five nine, whatever. And to to drop down through them leagues and see the contrast and the different difference in the physics. Don't get me wrong; the first division was tough as well at the time. But but you know, it was a little more robust down in the third and the fourth. But I think in the third. I think that was the season I got eight goals from midfield for Carlisle. So I was growing, you know. Mm. I wasn't a goal scorer midfielder, as my record shows. But I felt I could have been. You know, I, f- I felt I was the type of midfield player that was maybe a little bit too honest, maybe a little bit too too much of an organiser that, if if in the old four four two anyway, yeah. if central midfield player wanted a bomb on, the other one had to sit. And I felt that I was locked in that position for a lot of the time later on in my career, you know. Otherwise, I could have sat behind the front two and think little balls in here and there, you know. Mm. Felt that, but don't get me wrong, I like to be involved in the game as well. And if if you were in a team that, that didn't get the ball that often or was struggling in a relegation battle, it was hard to be that player to wait to be fed. Yeah. So I ended up going back and getting it and getting involved. And that's the play I became, really. Just just luck more than judgment. What was Bournemouth like for you, Ian? It was brilliant, mate. In all honesty, when I got the call off Harry, I was sitting in my house in Carlisle, and I didn't even, I'd never heard of them, really. <laughs> uh, I didn't even know where about it was. And then, and then he told me to jump on a train and um, come down for a weekend. He put me in the best hotel. This is Harry, by the way. Yeah. He was a proper character. Um, good and bad sometimes, but <laughs> mostly good. Especially the Bournemouth time, you know, and early West Ham. But um, he was like your mate, him and Brian Tyler, who sadly passed away in, in the accident in Italy. They were like they were like two players. You'd watch them; they'd be playing pranks on each other and stuff, you know. And and they were just they were just like your friend. And Harry, then he'd, he'd obviously seen something in me. Maybe this season in the third division where I think I played against Bournemouth. I think maybe that season, and that was sort of my best goal-scoring season. Mm. But I was injured um, in the fourth division. I missed about five or six months of it with an ankle problem that I couldn't figure out. Nobody could find out what it was. And and I came back playing because my contract was ending. came back playing the last six games of the season because I felt I had to put myself in a shot window. And I played through the pain. And was fortunate enough when Harry phoned the summer break, healed it all on its on its own. I didn't do much on it. And then Harry brought me down here and asked me, because back then it was a tribunal system. Yeah. So Harry had offered ten grand, and Carlisle wanted two hundred. <laughs> ended up ended up making a thirty five, and a year on he sold me for seven fifty. So. He obviously knew what he was doing. We had a great season, the best in the club's history. I made some great mates there. Had a fun year. Just enjoying football. You know, we 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 beat some of the top teams. I think we beat Chelsea that that, that year, beat Leeds. And I know the likes of Sheffield Wednesday when they were still fairly big. Mm. You know, it was good teams in that in that division that, that season. Um 
And it, it was just a fun year and, and sad, even though my move came at the end of it. And there was all speculation throughout the last couple of months anyway. And Harry was pulling me up for England and, and all this, you know. We played Man United in the Cup and I was head-to-head with Brian Robson again. And, and Harry was like, is this the next England captain against, uh, you know. So, so I've, I've done okay. There's whispers of Liverpool. There's whispers of Arsenal. And, and I ended up, Man City was, was the one. And um, Any whispers of Everton? Sorry? Were you linked with Everton at all? No, it wasn't, mate. It wasn't because there's only certain things you would take serious, really. You know, and if it was a choice, I mean, obviously that's exactly where I would have gone. Mm. But, you know, it was, I tell you what, there was whispers when Mike Walker was in charge. Right. There was whispers about that time, but nothing came of it. Um, and, you know, you, you do get excited. Don't get me wrong. I, I said at the time, I wouldn't have left West Ham for anybody mm. because of the way my career was going there. And I loved playing there. The fans were amazing with me, if you were doing it. And if you weren't, it was terrifying. <laughs> you have to be a strong character. And I think that's where my upbringing sorted me okay, you know? Yeah. I mean, in the Everton stuff, and, and even the Carlisle yeah. stuff, never being afraid to go and get it, even if people were kicking lumps out of you. Yeah. Never being scared to go and get the ball and, and keep playing, you know, no matter what the score, how the season was going. You know, I always felt like I was there helping out. Albert Martin used to tell me I was stupid. Why are you coming so deep to help us out and get mm. yourself in trouble? I said, well, I don't know because I can't help it. <laughs> just jumping slightly ahead of ourselves, we will come on to West Ham, but I just want to speak about uh, Manchester City because it was a smashing young team you had there at Manchester City. When, when, when you got to Main Road, was that, was that the point in your career when you thought, right, Everton, you were wrong to get rid of me? I don't think I ever felt that because, like I said, I think it was my choice to go. I know how I put it on the table, but mm. he wasn't saying you've got to go. So I, I never felt animosity in any way. I didn't feel, I tell you, maybe the only time I did, if we do skip on, was the FA Cup game in the quarterfinals with West Ham against Everton. Maybe that at that point. But even then, it was nothing personal with me and Howard. It was nothing personal with me and the club. Because I loved everything the club did for me. Tell us about the five-one win against Manchester United. Well, well, like I said, I came to City and and they had five England under twenty ones in the team, and and then the Man United game came, and and in all, in all honesty, a team of well, they'd spent millions, not, not relative to today, because probably individual players today have more money than they have they had there as a club. Mm. But um, you know, the NC was there and. I think they signed Danny Wallace and you know Mark Hughes and McClear, that, that team. In the first five minutes, they could have been, I think, two up. And it was like, Jesus, like the mm. pace of it, these players. And then there was trouble behind the goal because there'd been, I think, uh, forged tickets. There was a bit of trouble behind the goal, spilled out into the pitch, and we all had to go off after five minutes, which probably was the best thing that could have happened. Right. Because we came out on fire, you know. We came out, we scored the first, second, not long after, I think a couple of minutes. And then you tune it up and you still don't have that sense of security. It's Man United, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then I ended up getting the third. And I want to watch it back. 
I think, well, they talk about box-to-box players. We we pinch the ball, Stevie Redmond, then on the edge of our box, and I'm more or less standing next to him. So it's a case of he skips one challenge, and I'm sort of going but hesitant. I'm, I'll go, but you know, see what happens. And then he plays a ball down the line, and I sort of half go, and this is where I think I get about four yards on Incy. I go and then David White, uh, no, uh, David Oldfield, and I think Gary Pallister are sort of 50 50 to get there. So I'm hesitant again. And then I see Dave's Nick there, and I just make a, I say a sprint, but a sprint for me, <laughs> just make a sprint. And it, it, it came right right in front of me. I, I had no option but, but a diving header, and I didn't even see it. Really? I, I, as I've headed it, I've gone down, I see Jim Layton come sliding out. And I'm sliding in with my head <clears> and flipping over upside down. And then it was only when I heard the roar that I got up. And I think if you watch it, you see me looking back to make sure it's in the goal. <laughs> and then it was like a delayed reaction celebration. And then the funny thing was afterwards, Seven had a go at me because he said he was right behind me. He was going to put it in. <laughs> had a go at me for scoring. This is amazing, you know. The city, the city fans still talk about that game, don't they? In revered terms, they do. Yeah, well, the main road massacre. How good a player could Paul Lake have been? He, the, the only way I can I can gauge him is he would have been Rio Ferdinand. Really? I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't mean centre back, but Rio had everything when he was a kid coming through. Great ability, pace, strength. You know, good in the air. Uh, great on the ball and then Rio sort of dropped back I think Rio could have been a holding I, I watched him I watched him on Anfield in the FA Youth Cup final Rio and he, he played started off centre half and he was up against Michael Owen by the way hmm. started off a centre half he was the best player on the field moved him into midfield when he went a couple of goals down he was the best player on the field and then he put him up front for the last 15 minutes and he was the best player on the field Wow, Lakey, Lakey could have been that really Lakey was yeah he was top notch you, you, I mean, right-footed, you could put him left-back and he, he'd be amazing. What were, your feelings when, what were your feelings when Howard Kendall came in then at Manchester City? In all honesty, I, I was hopeful because I played every game that season and, and obviously culminating with the derby and getting the fans on your side. And I actually scored the week after with a header as well against Luton. We beat Luton 3-1. And I scored in the League Cup against Norwich. So I was doing okay. I was I was playing well. You know, the sad thing was Mel getting fired. I think we were third from bottom. So Peter Swales felt like he had to do something. And, you know, it, it was sad because I like I like Mel a lot, you know. Mm. And, and Howard coming back, I was hopeful, in all honesty. Um, it hit home because Everton was the, his first game. Everton away. That's right, yeah. The one I've been waiting for, really, you know. And I know he was at the Southampton game the week before. We'd lost 2-1, but I made the goal. And I'm thinking, you know, he was there. And he'd come in the dressing room and introduced himself, gave me a hug and that. I, I, I like Howard. It's, it's, I have no gripes with Howard whatsoever. Um, so his first, like on the Friday, I think it was, I think the game was a Sunday. Ended up nil-nil, but um, it, was, it was a bit deja vu in the end because he gave the bibs out on the training field and it was the team who we knew was going to be the team and then Mego was in instead of me 
And as he was giving the bibs out, he went, don't you read nothing into this? I went, all right. But I had said to Lakey, when I heard Howard was coming back, I had said, it's been nice knowing you. And he went, no chance. Never going to happen. And as it was, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks after he came, I was in a West Ham shirt, so... <laughs> How did that move come about to West Ham? Um, as far as I know, he wanted Wardy, I assumed. He wanted Wardy. Went to Peter Swales and said, look, I want, I want Wardy. And, and Swales said, I've got no money. And, and so he's gone to Lou McCartney and said, who, who do you want to take? And they ended up me and Treff. So um, I don't know what the money was, what swapped hands or what the deal was. Very confusing back then. Um, but the deal was was off. It went off. And then I ended up playing. He, he started me against Norwich at home, which we won 1-0. And there was banners there at Main Road, don't go, Bish, because it, it obviously leaked out. And at the end of the game, I didn't want to come off the field. I was the last to come off. I was in tears, honestly. I cried before Gaza. <laughs> <laughs> and Howard was waiting for me on the touchline and, and gave me a big hug, you know. Well done. You know, he did great and all this. And I didn't want to I didn't want to go down the tunnel because I, I felt it was my last time, you know? Yeah. And and I think it was on the Monday he went back in and said, Has has anything changed? He said, No. I went, okay. Um um it had been it been I don't I hadn't seen Wardy, but I know he'd been speaking to Howard. I hadn't got to see him and, and chat. But I found out afterwards. And it may not be true, but Wardy had a horse down in London, and Trev had a horse in Manchester. <laughs> and were, I, my, my move was getting held up by a swap deal with two horses, apparently. I would like to clear something up, really, you know. I mean, obviously the Man City fans have a bad view of Howard because of, you know, the sale of me at, at that time. Um, and I know I speak to the City fans, but I've always been on record that um, how much I respected Howard and, and the way the players were playing for him. But the only time me, him and Wardy were in the room, sadly, was at Andy King's funeral, you know, at, at Goodison. And it was the only time we'd all sat and chatted about what happened, you know. And don't get me wrong, like, like I see Wardy at West Ham and, and we have a beer and we have a laugh and he's, he's such a great fella. But this is the first time the three of us have been together. And Howard actually said to me, I didn't want you to go. He said, he told Peter Swales he wanted Wardy, but Peter Swales said, you've got no money. He said, I thought you would be the perfect foil for Wardy, feeding him, you know? So, and, and sadly, I would passed months, months after that, I think. The fact that I got to hear it from his, his mouth was everything, you know? And, and it clears everything up for me. And, and it, it makes me, it makes me realise I made the right judgment about him yeah. in the first place, you know, and I respected him and I, and I seen the love that the players had for him. And I felt it then, to be honest with you. Lovely. Uh, West Ham United, it just seemed, a, it just seemed a, a, a good fit for you that, Ian. It was, mate, in, in a football sense. Um, I remember being younger and watching them, you know, on that muddy pitch with them small stanchions and that kit, the claret and blue with the white and the white. Uh, you, you know, there was something, always something about him about the place. 
and I wasn't disappointed when I, when I got there, mate. Lou had actually told me, Lou McCarty signed me. He said to me um, that he didn't want Wardy to go. And the reason he said me when Howard said, who do you want? He said, because it would scupper the deal because there's no way Howard would let me go. <laughs> but he did. Yeah. So, so he more or less ended up with me. Upton Park, mate. Uh, if you ask any any away player what's the most intimidating place you, you play that, it's got to be right up there. Yeah. And it was for some, some West Ham players also. I was going to say, there's nowhere to hide there if things aren't going well. I mean, I look, I looked different, didn't I? I stood out because of my hair and, I don't know, maybe maybe the way I played. And, you know, people have called me a maverick and, and such. And, and that's fine, you know. I was just being myself. And I got abused by, by opposition, by, by fans, you know. Always the, where's your caravan? Do you, do you still miss being a player, Ian? Do you still miss the buzz? You clearly, you clearly loved, yeah, as you say, you loved all the abuse, you loved the you loved the adulation, everything that went with it. Do you, do you still miss being a footballer? Yeah, every day, mate. Really? Every single day, yeah. It's, it, you know, you, you can piece it together. Is it the football? Yes. Is it a dressing room that you miss? Is it the, the adulation? Is it the, the anxiety? It's everything that comes with it because you, you can't. And, I, and when I was coaching the kids now, and, and they lose, and, and it's tough for American parents to accept defeat, even mm. at nine years old. But they have to feel that to understand how good it is to win. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and without the anxiety, the pleasure and the joy isn't the same. You know, and, and I, 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 I tasted it all. You know, I had the relegations three or four relegations and it's bitter mm. oh it's it's not just a relegation it's that long summer you know where you've got maybe six weeks back then it might have been eight weeks to wait to try and rectify things did you enjoy your spell in america when you were playing again yeah i did yeah it was like I said, it, it was very similar to Bournemouth in a in a sense where i've obviously i've come to florida i, I don't want to skip me three years of man city by the way if we've got time. Yeah, no, carry because on. I went, back, I went back there, mate, with with a job to finish, really. Yeah, when Joe Royal was there. Yeah, Joe, Joe, yeah. I was, I think I was out in London with the lads and uh, my missus phoned me up and, and said, you need to come home, which she did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> From <laughs> time to time. <laughs> but when she said Joe Royal was on the phone, this time I came home. <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't sure what had happened. Uh, I think it was Mick Maguire, who's him and Joe were great friends uh, at the PFA. Mm. Uh, said, Joe wants to speak to you. And I, 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 it was, they were in a precarious position going down to the third tier. But me and Harry weren't seeing eye to eye at the time. Um, he, didn't, he didn't like the way I was living my life. And I didn't like the fact that he didn't like the way I was living my life. Because I was never any different. Mm. If, if we had a day off, we'd have a night out. Play the game, have a night out. Yeah. And, and the, the, the tide had changed with, with the way football was going. And I mean, I was 32. I was still very much good enough to play in the Premier League still for mm-hmm. another years. As I felt approved when I came back with City at 35, you know, I could still do it there. Mm. So at 32, I didn't see an issue. Uh, I'd been given, he'd offered me another year with a testimonial, but had specifically asked me, 
don't have any functions throughout the year. Well, that's a lot of money that I'm giving up. Yeah. For that. And I said, well, you wouldn't do that. He said, well, I don't want my players being drunk all year round. <laughs> I said, your players are drunk all year round anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's seen that I was probably an influence in the dressing room as well and I'd, I'd like to say I've, I never made an enemy you know mm. in any dressing room I was in but um, I, I felt that was an insult he said just have a game at the end of the season well I've, I've given 10 years of my life to this club and you've only been there four so who are you to, to tell me to do that now mm. well, I, I sort of put the word in with Billy Bonds when Harry wanted to come back. I was going down to Bournemouth for weekends, see my mates. And when I come back, Billy would say, how was your weekend? i go, yeah, I was with H or I spoke to H. He's desperate to come back, you know. And, and he ended up coming. And, and it was great when he first came. Obviously, this is later in life. He did say to me once, why don't you just have a glass of wine with your meal, like the foreigners do? And I went, Harry, I grew up in a council estate. When did I have a glass of wine with my meal? <laughs> Well, you know, I think the timing of it all, we just had our third child and I was maybe thinking, okay, if Joe can compensate for the money I'm going to lose with a testimonial, yeah. I'd I'd been subbed 23 times that season. I'd gone on the field three times and it was about playing football for me. Mm. It wasn't about money. It wasn't, you know, obviously the money's good and and we have a great life and and I would never be moaning what they earn today because... The performer deserves to get it, you know. If you're the one out there, you, you deserve it. I've never had any gripes about that. <clears throat> we still earn good money relative to everybody else in the world. And, you know, I was unfortunate to lose in the property crash, you know, but I'd like to think I've built myself back up now. And the, the, the time at City, you know, I think it was about five games left and, and we did slip down, but I was, I was prepared for it. Yeah. It was just... I was back at Man City and I needed, and I think I said at the time in the press that I've come to get this club back where it belongs in the Premier League. Mm. And we obviously had that, that whirlwind of the final against Gillingham. It was uh, just surreal, honest to God. Just, I wasn't even supposed to be there. That was the thing. I'd, I'd torn my hamstring, say tour, but the, the specialist had said six weeks. I, I missed the semi-final against Wigan, both legs. Two weeks after I'd done it, I had to train for the week before Wembley because I had to prove to Joe that I could, I could play. And I wanted mm. never played at Wembley, and I'm 35 now. Uh, I'm not going to miss it. So I coaxed my way through training, or conned, as Joe probably said. <laughs> and I persuaded him to put me on the bench. And even then he said, look, what if you have to go on and then you come off straight away? Because it goes. I said, I'm fine. And he did end up putting me on after the 60th minute. It was still nil-nil, and I understand what he meant afterwards because when it was all done, the penalties and everything, he said, you changed the game. And I went, yeah, I came on at nil-nil. We went 2 nil down. Of course, you changed the game. <laughs> he went, no, he said, you got, you got us playing. You know, we dominated the extra time, and, you know, once we were back, it was, it was fairly comfortable in extra time, but obviously the penalties are penalties. Did you like working with Joe? Joe was amazing. Joe was brilliant, yeah. I, I, had, I had me little disputes with him, you know, football-wise. Um, but but all in all, mate, what a great fella. Him and Willie Donachie, you know. Mm. I mean, Willie's a, a little bit different, very meticulous in his work. 
um, you know, believing in the psychology of it all. And I was a little bit old school and used to laugh and joke about it. In fact, the psychologist would, would say in the meetings, has anyone got any questions except him? <laughs> point at me. But I want to know how he knows. That was the thing. Yeah. You're a psychologist. How do you know what it's like to be out the pitch as a footballer? Mm. You know? So I would, I would, I'd, I'm curious like that, you know? Well, I wasn't saying it's not right or you don't need it. Of course, everybody needs different things, you know? If, if you're a strong character, maybe not so much, you know? But, but everybody needs to get through in their way. And yeah. so whatever, whatever, whatever works, works for me, you know? But um, the two promotions and then, you know, the Premier League, I maybe think he could have, he could have played me a bit more in the Premier League. I understand, and I do feel he was getting maybe a little bit of pressure from above to bring through the younger players, you know, for whatever reasons. Mm. Uh, but Joe would say to me, take extra days off. So your legs are okay. And I'd say, no. These 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, if I'm going to be in the team before them, I'm going to do everything they're doing every yeah. day. Yeah. I let them see that it's, it's merit, not, not because I'm, I'm old and the rest of me. And, <laughs> you know, I'm a bit stubborn, I suppose, as well. But but a great great time to go back, and and it's funny because the city fans have a thing now. Obviously, with what's taking place today, you were with us when you were there when we were crap. You know, yeah. <laughs> in the bad times, I was actually doing a city square on the stage, and some fan had said to me, "You know, we appreciate you were here in the bad times." And I I got on the stage and I sort of reflected, and I could see him in the in the crowd. And I went, I, I stopped the question and I said, can I just say somebody's coming to me and I need to, I need to say it to this guy, this fella down here. And I pointed him out like, and everyone looked at him and that. And I went, I never had any bad times. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, the first spell was the Manchester Derby and then the second spell was two promotions. Yeah, yeah. They were actually saying because of where we were at the time, you know. But it just it hit me. I never had any bad times. Brilliant. When you, you say never had any bad times, it, you, you, you don't seem the type of guy that's got many regrets when you look back over your, your career, Ian. Nothing. But I, you know what? I don't want to end it on a bad one, but even the Miami thing, I came here. Um, but my only regret is that I think it retired me too early because the Miami thing had signed a one year guarantee because of my age and because I think it was Lothar Mateus had been over here just before. It's the thing. They still do it today in the MLS. Bring over players who are more or less finished with what they're doing mm. and come for a, a payday in another three or four years of playing out what is a decent standard. It's, it's not great, but, you know, I felt like they, they said to me, sign a one-year guarantee and a two-year option. The two-year option is for the club. And I thought, look, I've just stepped out of the Premier League. I'm going to have no issue getting a two-year option. We had, we had the, the best season the club had had in its short life. Um, we won our league by record points, record goals. We had the three top scorers in the league. We had eight, eight players make the all-star team. And we tortured everybody, really. We lost a couple, but football-wise, you know, it was a group of a mishmash of, of mavericks. Mm. And the coach, Ray Hudson, at the time, he was that's the way he was. He just used to say, go on, play and leave us to it. Training yeah. sessions went, went tactical. He would just say, get a ball and play. And it was fine and it worked. And we were coming to the, the playoffs. Actually, the morning of 9-11, we were flying to New York 
Wow. Yeah. We were flying at 12. We were training at the stadium earlier, and we were playing New York. I think they were Metro Stars at the time. Yeah. Not Red mm. Flying there at 12. And as soon as we got to the training ground, it was happening live on, on the telly in Ray's office. So we watched it happen live, you know. The second one anyway. We yeah. watched the second one hit. And it's uh, terrible. And, and then two weeks after that, we were in the playoffs. And we had to fly. But the coach did say, look, if you've got kids, I understand if you don't want to fly. And um, I just said, like, if I don't fly now, I'll probably never fly again. So because after that season, the club offered me the two more years on double my salary for the two year, two more years, which would have set me for life. Yeah. Uh, they pulled the plug on the club, the MLS. They pulled the plug on the club through politics to do with the ownerships and that. Back then, there was only 12 teams, and I think two owners had four teams each. So it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good scenario anyway, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. So, so my contract was, was taken away from the club's hands. And uh, I got offers for about six teams to go and play. And I ended up saying, no, I'm not, I'm not having it. I fought for the players' union. And because I fought for the players' union, the MLS blackballed me. So uh, that sort of lost me, lost me livelihood, really. yeah. you know. And I could have played until I was forty. So that's your only, that's your only regret. It's not even a regret because the season we had and the, and the friends I've made, yeah. make up for it. And I and I would do the same again. I, I don't think I'd change it. You know, we can always make money. Mm. You, know, you, can, you you just got to get off your backside and go and go and earn it again. Yeah. So we always have that capacity. So. I'm not worried about that. Like I say, I lost more on my properties than, than than that, which was quite significant. But, you know, you, you fight back, don't you? You get yourself back. And and right now, I've, seven months ago, I've set up a um, a company called Playmaker Global Consultants with a partner in, who's based in Kent. And it's just, we're, we're getting offers all over the place. We've, we're trying to create like an ecosystem for young players and, and uh, we've, partnered with a company in the States called Tie-Dye Nation who do footy kits and boots and, and, and other sports equipment. And they have a, a player representation section there. You know, we're, we're looking to um, take over a franchise up in Virginia to house the players that we can maybe bring through. We've got, we've got online platforms with analysis. So it, it's like a one-stop shop young players to, to give them the right path mm-hmm. and the right information. You know, whether it's college, whether it's uh, semi-pro, you know, the lower leagues, mm-hmm. the American leagues, whether it's Europe, whether it's England, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a place to house them in this, this. It's like a summer season, three months, which is ideal because there's no real visas needed because everyone's allowed 90 days. So we can, we can house them there, let them play, assess them, get all their analysis together, let them have that for life and take it with them, whichever path they take. Sounds a, it sounds a fantastic concept, an exciting concept, and, and you know, a lovely part of the world to carry it out. How often do you, do you think back to your Belfield days, Ian? Always. I, I make sure, look, because as I was speaking about Dave, he lives near the Jolly Miller now. He, he stayed in Liverpool, and I know he's a big Everton fan and goes to games. Um, every time I go to his house, I go past. I have to go up that little road in the turn and 
And there's still fields there opposite, which were always there. Mm. And, and it's sad to see the houses, to be honest with you. Yeah. But the, the, most of them houses were the houses I used to knock at the door. And we'd have to go and collect the balls after training, <laughs> you know, an apprenticeship. And I must admit, Bill Shankly lived there as well, didn't he? Yes, he did, yeah. And it was always good knocking around there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did I read somewhere that uh, you're probably the only former Everton player that's ever cleaned the windows of Vanilla Ice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might we may as a, a window cleaning business. Well, actually, two of them do, but, but one's further north. And and when he when he comes down this way, I go out with him. I just it's it's a lot of fun. He's he's sort of my best mate. Yeah, we played together at Miami, so we've stayed in touch. You know, and we go out and have, I was with him yesterday having a pint. So, but if he's if he's on his own, he doesn't like to be by himself because his son works for him when he's back, and he has a couple of friends now and again. But but when he says, "Look, I've got a job near you. Do you want to come and help me?" Yeah, I just I go out with him in the van. <clears throat> get up the ladders and uh, get me window clean on. I'm not bad, actually. <laughs> Did you know it was vanilla rice? Um, he was. He was actually a lovely fella, to be fair. We. Uh, it, that was that was the, the contract of my other mate, who's got the the bigger deals. You know, Jupiter Island, and he he does Tiger Woods, and I think Rory McIlroy. I think Nick Price lived in the house before him, so he's got the bigger clients. So so that was one of his. But we all go together. We, we have the English window cleaning T-shirts on. <laughs> and uh, he came out in a Liverpool shirt, of all things, you know? He came out in a Liverpool shirt on with Marnay written on it. <laughs> and he's got his helicopter in the garden. And he actually owns the two houses next door to each other, so he just put a hole in a hedge. And he walks between both. <laughs> he's a really nice fella, honestly. It's still a, it's still a unique story, isn't it? <laughs> wasn't happy when he complained about me winter cleaning <laughs> uh, Ian it's been absolutely fascinating speaking about your career and uh, great to see you looking so well and uh, we look forward to seeing you at uh, at Finch Farm or at Goodison Park in Definitely the not too distant future thanks for your time here's Darren <laughs>